far-right former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has been cornered by multiple criminal investigations and he's already been rendered ineligible for office by the country's electoral courts. Still, no one right of centre has proven capable of taking up the mantle of the Brazilian conservative movement. And on Sunday, Bolsonaro attracted scores of thousands of supporters to the streets of Sao Paulo in what was a bona fide show of his political strength. And crucially, dozens and dozens of politicians also turned out to pay their respects to the former president. But in the grand scheme of things, what good will this recent rally do for Bolsonaro? And might it actually cause him some harm? My name's Ewan Marshall, Deputy Editor of The Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We're an independent organization funded by subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you are already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. In return, you will get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. Today I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Carson Allen, Gabriel Luca, Andrei Novoseltsev, Penn Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Mark Hillary, Luis Hens, Erwan Menais, Aaron Berger, Kars Vrezvik, Alasdair Townsend, Miller Renacido, Peter Abrahamson, David Dixon, José Rosi Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Anna Lund, Peter Suffering, Anderson da Silva, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we're butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism and want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. Today, to discuss Bolsonaro, we're joined by Sede Silva, our Brazilian correspondent, and making her debut on Explaining Brazil, it's Isabela Cruz, our Rio de Janeiro correspondent, who also covers the judiciary. Thanks for being here, guys. Glad to be here with both of you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ion. Nice to see you, Isabela. And I'd like to start our conversation by asking Sede why Jair Bolsonaro organized this protest now. Because, I mean, as we know, he left office in December 2022. He went into exile in Florida for months and he remained quite low profile, I think, for most of 2023. So why did he call his supporters to take to the streets now? The answer is Bolsonaro is not very smart and his imagination is very limited. There are very few moves in Bolsonaro's playbook and organizing uh, street demonstrations is one of the few moves that he has in his playbook. Um, he organized this protest uh, a few days after being silent in an interview with the federal police, which is uh, the closest investigation so far um, to reach Jair Bolsonaro personally, and that will demonstrate his responsibility in plotting a coup attempt uh, in late 2022, early 2023. 
So going to the streets was a way to raise his voice after keeping silent with the federal police. And Isabella, you know, while this may be definitely the most dangerous investigation that Bolsonaro is faced with in terms of, you know, the possibility of him actually being arrested for it, it's not the only probe that's against him, right? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about his his overall legal situation? Well, it's not something easy to sum up. He faces multiple investigations from falsifying vaccination records to appropriating million-dollar jewelry from federal assets. And this one you mentioned, which is showing that he not only encouraged his voters not to accept the results of the elections, but also mobilized people around him in the government and the top brass of the armed forces to prepare in legal and military terms to seize power. And he barely defends himself. On Sunday, he classified everything as political persecution against him. He also has legal issues prior to the presidency. And Sede, Bolsonaro clearly, from this rally, he clearly wanted a, one of those big pictures with a sea of people, everyone wearing green and yellow in his support. Did he get what he wanted? And also, why did he want that in the first place? Bolsonaro and the far right, they um, want to demonstrate that they're still united, that they still have a leader, and that they're still with Bolsonaro despite all the, or despite all of the federal investigations, or actually uh, because of them. Because one of the important things that we, we need to realize about the Brazilian far right, the Bolsonarista far right, is the same with the MAGA movement with Donald Trump in the United States. They're both movements that exist with leaders that uh, actively plot coups against democracy and that they actively uh, do not want to play by the rules of anyone else uh, besides themselves, which is also why they are anti-vaxxers, which is also why they are bigots, which is also why they are anti-trans, and, and so on. So this um, far-right politics and this, this way of doing politics needs to show that they're united with a leader, uh, not actually despite uh, of all the crimes he's investigated for, but because of them. And because of them, uh, they're still united in uh, denying um, the electoral system in Brazil and in spreading conspiracy theories about uh, vaccines, about uh, the, the electoral system, about the judicial branch, about Lula himself and communism and, and so on. Uh, also, there is a gap uh, in electoral legislation in Brazil. You've mentioned, Iwan, that uh, uh, the Bolsonaro was rendered ineligible by the Superior Electoral Court and he cannot run in 2026. That is correct, but it, it is still needs uh, a judicial decision to actually bore a candidate. It's the same thing that happened with Lula in 2018. Lula was actually in jail and he still ran for president until mid-2018 when finally there was a judicial decision removing Lula from the ballot. And that's when Fernando Haddad stepped in. And this is also the reason why Bolsonaro and Lula in 2018, uh, Bolsonaro and Haddad in 2018, they never joined a, a debate on TV uh, because at the early in the early electoral process, when the debates on TV were already happening, the candidate of the Workers' Party was still Lula, who was in jail at the time. Bolsonaro can do exactly the same thing that Lula did in 2018. So in 2026, there is a plan 
for Bolsonaro to still run for president and to have a running mate assume uh, in his place uh, when Bolsonaro is finally actually barred from, from the candidacy uh, very late in the 2026 uh, electoral process. Mm, fascinating. And uh, bringing it back to the rally on Sunday itself, I mean, there were a few different estimations on exactly how many people showed up in Sao Paulo on Avenida Paulista. There was a study from the from the University of Sao Paulo suggested there was around 150,000. The local police said there was about 750,000. Maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle there. But regardless of the number of people that showed up, just staying with you for a second, Sede, tell us a little bit about maybe who showed up. Who were the people who had attended this rally on Sunday? It was the usual Bolsonarista crowd, mostly male, mostly white, and mostly over 35. Uh, also, uh, we had a few far-right politicians showing up, including Congressman Nicolas Ferreira, who is one of the new stars of the far-right in Brazil, uh, also because of his anti-trans uh, comments and remarks uh, in, in, in the House of Representatives. And we had uh, Governor Tarcísio de Freitas, who is the governor of Sao Paulo, uh, he is famously against uh, new body cams for the police, uh, which means that he is in favor of the police having more liberty and more leeway uh, of becoming more violent. And Tarcísio de Freitas actually made a speech uh, during this uh, Bolsonaro rally. So it was a show of those that are in the right, there is still more faithful or more loyal to Bolsonaro, which includes a few governors from different states, including the governor of Sao Paulo. And today, I mean, some experts say that the engagement for this rally was drummed up even further by President Lula's recent comments on Israel, uh, comparing the violence in Gaza to, to something out of Nazi Germany. And that was the theme of last week's podcast, if you want to uh, go back and check out that later. And we did see a lot of Israel flags being waved on Sunday, right? I mean, how has the Israel-Palestine issue taken on such a, you know, an important role in Brazil's domestic politics? It's hard to say how much Lula's comments actually inspired more Bolsonaro fans to go to Polista Avenue last Sunday. But it is true that Israel at least takes Brazil very seriously, and more so uh, since 2019 when Bolsonaro was first in power. Back in 2019, when both Bolsonaro was in power in Brazil and Donald Trump in the United States, and you had other right-wing governments across Latin America, um, Israel lobbied Brazil and lobbied Bolsonaro in order for Bolsonaro to follow through in Donald Trump's footsteps and move Brazil's embassy in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Israel took that a lot uh, seriously not only because of the weight of Brazil, but also because if Brazil did so, uh, it could encourage other Latin American governments to do the same and also move their embassies to Jerusalem too. Uh, that did not happen uh, because of the pressure of the agricultural lobby uh, in Brazil, because uh, Arabic uh, countries are big importers of meat and agricultural products from Brazil. And so moving our embassy to Jerusalem would be uh, very harmful for business for a lot of people in the agricultural uh, lobby, uh, many of which are allies to Bolsonaro as well. The other thing is that Israel-Palestine issue um, has an important role not only in Brazil's domestic politics, but in all countries that have a similar 
far right, just like in the United States. You have a long alliance of far right evangelicals, the same evangelicals that are, for example, uh, pro-life. Um, the same evangelicals um, recognize or understand that uh, Israel has a special uh, role in the world and that they are entitled to what they understand to be the Holy Land, which is also uh, why a lot of evangelicals, not only in the United States, but in Brazil too, support the occupation of uh, the West Bank, and, and they basically support whatever the Israeli government uh, wants to do. Even this is, it is also seen in the recent impeachment proceeding uh, that you've uh, alluded to in your, in your comments. So President Lula, when he was in Ethiopia, um, he answered a question and he compared Israel's military actions in Gaza to the Holocaust. And this inspired the far right to file an impeachment request against Lula, which has a lot of signatures. The text of this motion to impeach Lula argues that the high point in the crisis between Brazil and Israel was not the Lula declaration about uh, comparing uh, Israeli actions to the Holocaust, but was actually Brazil's action in the International Court of Justice asking the judges in the ICJ to declare the occupation of Palestine territories by Israel as illegal. So you, you have a very strong connection between the Israeli far right and the Brazilian far right. And this is also seen in declarations by Israeli ministry Israel Katz, who is the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs, who even went on to falsely claim that Lula is a Holocaust denier, when that is in fact a logical impossibility, because for Lula to compare uh, Israeli action to the Holocaust, he must understand that the Holocaust actually happened. And Isabella, I mean, Bolsonaro on Sunday, he gave a speech to the crowd that was assembled there, and he really kind of toned things down significantly, didn't he, from his last appearances. I mean, in the past, he's threatened to launch coups, he's called for the gunning down of his political opponents, he's vowed to disregard Supreme Court rulings. But on Sunday, he was definitely being quite careful with the words he was using, right? Tell us a bit more about that. For sure, Ewan. He knows it's not the time for him to take risks. With the progress of investigations, he's had his passport confiscated, has been banned from speaking to many of his allies, who are considered co-conspirators in a plot to overthrow democracy, and has been living with the fear of being arrested at any moment. So it was up to his allies to attack the Supreme Court this time. And did he actually end up kind of entangling himself even more in legal trouble? I mean, you wrote a piece about that uh, that we published on Tuesday on the Brazilian Report. Yeah, even with that milder speech, the federal police and law experts considered he added an important element to the already abundant body of evidence against him. One regarding his intentionality. As we know, police officers recently found a draft of a speech announcing the declaration of a state of emergency in the country in an office used by Mr. Bolsonaro. Similar proposals for extraordinary legal measures had already been found with a former aide of his and with his former justice minister. It happens that on Sunday, he not only missed the opportunity to deny that his government had dealt with draft coup decrees 
but also he let it be known that he considered them to be legitimate instruments and not frontal violations of the Constitution. In doing so, he made it clear that his intention to manipulate the democratic regime in his own favor. And now, because each one of you takes kind of different angles in our political coverage, I'd, like, I'd just like to ask you both about, you know, the potential dividends that Bolsonaro may or may not have earned uh, with this rally. Sede, you first with the, the kind of the purely political perspective. How's, how has Bolsonaro come out of this? I think the danger lies exactly on looking at this from a purely political perspective if you understand politics as a legitimate movement. Uh, the dividend here is that you have the far right doubling down on a putschist uh, movement, which has um, no problems at all in resorting to violence and has resorted to violence in the past and has promised to do so again. We need to remind our listeners that Carla Zambelli, the congresswoman from Sao Paulo, uh, who is author of the, of the motion to impeach Lula, is the same woman that uh, was walking with a gun appointing at an innocent man in the streets of Sao Paulo just after the first round of elections in 2022. This is the same movement uh, that uh, is responsible for the January 8th riots. And during this uh, rally on Sunday, Bolsonaro doubled down and he asked Congress for an amnesty to the rioters of January 8th, the same that ransacked and invaded the buildings housing all three branches of government. This is the same movement that held up a military that held up camps, protest camps near military campsites, uh, including in Brasilia. And from these campsites, they planned demonstrably. They planned terrorist attacks, such as the December 12 storming of uh, buses in December 12, 2022, which was the date when uh, Lula was formally uh, certified as president-elect. And from the same campsite, Bolsonaro supporters. Uh, planned the failed bomb attack in Brasilia airport on Christmas Eve 2022. So this is the terrorist far right showing its size and not just the political movement showing the number of voters they have. Uh, it's the political support of a terrorist far right movement. And I think we, we should uh, treat this the same way if there was a large demonstration on Avenida Paulista of Hamas or Hezbollah People would not be discussing the electoral perspective or the political perspectives or strength of a Hezbollah operative uh, for 2026. We would be talking about the dangers of a political extremist violent movement. And Isabella, taking this from a more kind of judicial standpoint, um, what do you think? How do you think Bolsonaro came out of this rally on Sunday? Well, after remaining silent during an official hearing, as Sede said, he left himself exposed at the rally. And he did that without gains, because the Supreme Court shows no signs of being intimidated by his supporters. Actually, we must remember there is another part of the population that is extremely critical of the former president, who was unable to be re-elected despite intense use of the public machine. Excellent, guys. So thanks for joining us today. I'm sure we'll have you both back on the show very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cede Silva and Isabella Cruz are the Brazilian Reports correspondents in Brasilia and Rio de Janeiro, respectively. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to like the video and subscribe to our channel. 
or better yet, subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. And thanks to our subscribers, we've been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. More recently, our newsletters won the best newsletter prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers for a small or local newsroom. And in order to keep doing this work, we need your support. So go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening and Explaining Brazil will be back next week.